great coaches ask great questions. Days at work are the days when the light bulb goes on for somebody else. Well, hello and welcome to On It, Not In It, the interview series. I'm your host, Todd Eppert, and today I'm joined by Ben Bashir, who is the CEO of Live Well Capital. Ben, thank you so much for joining us. Would you like to kick us off with a brief background as to who you are and what you do? Todd, thank you for having me. I'm excited about today's conversation. Um, my uh, role, I've been had a reasonably boring career. I've been in the financial services industry since I uh, since I graduated from college. And so I've been in the industry about 20 years, been in various roles. And in the last four years, my team and I broke out uh, to start a company called LiveWell Capital, which one of the reasons we started LiveWell is we think that you should get the most out of your life, not just the most out of your money. And so when you go to a lot of financial advisors, it's all about the numbers and all about the markets. And we believe in all that stuff too, but we do believe that your financial plan ought to empower a better life. And so that's why we started Live Well Capital. Awesome. Awesome. So 20 years plus another four on top of that in the Live Well space. So yeah, you so you're talking about almost like a personal passion of wanting your folks, your customers to get more out of the financial industry. Was there anything else in your space, in your team space that said, boy, we should be doing this on our own versus doing this inside of a bigger organization? Yeah, so we are we are in an interesting spot where uh, we are affiliated with Northwestern Mutual. And so we've gone effectively independent within Northwestern Mutual. And so we are entrepreneurs inside of a, a, a broader company. But we realized from a branding standpoint and from a scale standpoint, it was a lot easier to branch out and be within the Northwestern Mutual private client group, but still have the backbones of a Fortune 500 company behind us. So we think it was the best of both worlds and what we decided to do. Awesome. So maintaining that uh, kind of the big bear help in the industry and the, and the support and all the the value a customer gets from working with a big company like Northwestern Mutual, but also the personal touch of LiveWell Capital, it sounds like. Yeah, you want the big company uh, backing with a uh, boutique feel is what we were hoping to accomplish and hope hopefully we have accomplished. Yeah, like that. I like that, that the boutique feel. That's a great way to say it. So, okay, so this may go back four years ago or it might go back 24 years ago. Uh, but what are some common misconceptions about running a business and how do you address them? You know, as you've probably heard from other guests, you know, when you break out to become an entrepreneur, I think most of us think it's going to be easier than it is. We've watched other companies run and we've watched an entrepreneur that's 20 years in and we say, oh, that looks easy. If he can do it, I can do it. Or if she can do it, I can do it. And we weren't on the journey with them the entire way to get there. And so I think most of us think it's going to be easier than it is. And we tend to overestimate what we can do in the beginning. We tend to overestimate and oversimplify the very, very beginning. Uh, and then I think we tend to underestimate what we're going to be able to accomplish 10, 20, 30 years out. And so what I've found as an entrepreneur is all my goals were too big early and too small long-term. 
Um, I've heard somebody say you um, uh, overestimate what you can do in one to five years and you underestimate what you can do in 10. And I think there's a, a lot of truth in that. I didn't think I was, I wasn't thinking big enough in the long run, but I was thinking too big in the short, short run. Gotcha. That That's awesome. I, I, I've never, I've actually never heard that. I love it. So too small in the short term or too big in the short term and too small in the long term. I love that. That's great. So you, you mentioned that um, it's a lot harder than we think. Um, and oftentimes what that creates in entrepreneurs lives is this imbalance in the work life side. Most people start businesses because they don't want the handcuffs of the eight to five job. They want the freedom and flexibility, the work-life balance, but that's not easy to get. So are there any routines or rituals that you've been able to put in place to help you maintain a good work-life balance that's good for you and your family? You know, I think I think all of us go through phases where we are healthier in some phases than other phases. And what I've found is on the calendar side, I have a couple of things on the calendar side that's helped me. One is um, what time uh, my team can book me. So what time they can book an appointment. I tend to not like to do an appointment before nine or after four. It doesn't mean that I'm not working during those periods of time, but it means that I'm not in the grind of the day yet. So if I don't do anything before nine, it might, means you have time to work out in the morning. Means you have time for quiet time in the morning. Means you have maybe maybe you have time to take your kids to breakfast. Um, and not after four means there's actually some chance you're going to get home on time for dinner. Um, I also um, book my calendar in surges, so I have most of my client meetings for the year between uh, March and uh, May, and then between. September and December. And then I have um, some periods of time where I have time off to be on podcast, uh, to write, to reflect, um, to work on the business in those months. And so this surge schedule gives me a couple times a year where I have a couple months to work on the business where I'm not so much in the daily grind. So those rhythms of when I'm not working either in, in each week or throughout the calendar year have worked very well for me. Yeah, I love that. So I, I often, uh, in working with entrepreneurs, I often encourage like a, what I call a block schedule where you're blocking and, hey, make Monday your admin day and Tuesday be your work day, you know, Wednesday, Thursday, whatever it is, and then maybe Thursday is your marketing day. Uh, but it sounds like you actually do it across the entire year. So you you do it like you said, March through May and then September through December are kind of your big, you know, run hard months with your clients. And then in the middle, you've got some time. And oh, by the way, you pick the summer months. So you get some freedom and flexibility during the nice, nice time of the year in the, in the state of Ohio. So that's great. I love that. I've never heard anybody block across the year. I've heard many block across the week or across the month, but I love the, the, the year concept. Well, you know, you know, the interesting thing in our business is I find January and, and February to be months where it is fun to travel a little bit outside of Ohio. And I also find it to be months where it's not tax season yet. A lot of clients want to wait till they have a understanding of their taxes before they get together. And then I find in the summer, they're traveling with their families. But when you're in the kind of the heart of the school year um, is when they want to get together. So I want to be working hard when it's the best time to work hard. And so uh, that's the way we we built that calendar and it's worked very well for us. Awesome. Excellent. Well, thanks for sharing that. It's a great tip for our listeners. Um, so let, let's take a little step back. So we've been talking about 25 years you've been doing this, but 
So today, uh, what are some of the current situational issues that you face in your business today? You know, as, as I look at our business today and we have uh, we're in a phase where we're um, merging with some other firms. So we're in the M&A space right now and we are merging with other firms. And so what I've found very, very different than when it was just me 25 years ago is communication and alignment of team members it is uh, a full time job, setting vision, keeping everybody aligned and keeping everybody moving in the same direction. And when it's just you in the beginning, it's not hard to keep yourself aligned. And so one of the one of the challenges I've found is just keeping everybody moving in the same direction is always more challenging than you think it's going to be. I think you have to communicate, communicate, and then communicate again to keep everybody marching in the right uh, in the right direction and the in the direction that you've you've sold them on. Excellent. I love that. So so yeah, you've reached a different level in your business, the M&A world, where it's and you're also every time you merge and acquire with someone, you're dealing with a bunch of different cultures, right? Multiple things. And so it's how do you reset that? How do you set expectations and rebuild them? That's what you're focusing your time on now. Yeah, and then what do you force alignment on and then what's what's a unique part of their culture? And so I think there's a there's that balance where you think you're just going to set this rule book and everybody's just going to fall in line. It's just not the way leadership works. <laughs> Certainly not the way leadership works. That's a good point. Okay. So you talked about you're kind of choosing to make some business evolution and taking on M&A work. Sometimes these things happen to us that are outside of our control. Nobody can forget 2020, uh, but God, business is constantly evolving. There's constantly pressures from the outside. So how does your business stay adaptable and flexible when that, when that inevitable change comes? Well, you know, in our in our business, in the financial advice business, there is always change coming. Um, one of the things we do to stay on top of things is, I, and I think this should this should be relevant for anybody that's listening. Is I think regardless of what what industry you're in, there's blogs, there's message boards, there's podcasts. I think being a total student of the industry you're in, I find so many people have tunnel vision on. This is my company. This is my PNL, and they have no idea what's going on inside their own industry. It is amazing how often what may be coming next you learn about by just being involved on in what's going on in the industry. And so, what I would encourage people to do is be involved in your industry. I think sometimes we think of the competition as the industry, but I've found in most industries we can learn more than the learn more from the competition. Uh, I think they're more of an opportunity than they are a threat. And uh, I just encourage people to be involved in their, in, in their industry. Every industry is different. Ours might be a little more friendly, uh, but I've found being involved in the industry is a huge, huge leg up. Yeah, no, I, I really like that, that continuous learner mentality of, hey, there's always something new to learn. And if I'm staying on top of just the stuff that's going on around me, podcasts, newsletters, things like that. I can stay in front of the the general folks that are waiting for everything else to happen, which is great. Um, so without, obviously without revealing any secret plans or anything crazy like that, uh, can you offer us a glimpse into your future? What's the next step of your entrepreneurial journey look like then? Well, the, the, the number one thing for us is we have uh, a lot of families, uh, individuals and companies that we've made progress. I'll say that again. 
We have a lot of individuals, uh, families, and companies that we've made promises to that we're going to take care of them for their generation, the next generation, and a generation after that. And so our goal, number one, is to honor the promises we've made to clients. Um, but number two is we are looking for innovative ways to grow in our in our um, industry. And we have two main markets. We have Fortune 500. So we have clients that work for Fortune 500 companies. Think of the P&G, the GE, the Kroger's here locally in, in Cincinnati that get paid primarily in stock from their company. Uh, they get paid primarily in one ticker symbol. It's not just the cash. And then secondarily, entrepreneurs that are getting ready to have an exit. So they're going from having a uh, all of their money in one company to a big pile of cash and all of the lifestyle changes that come with that um, and all of the emotional changes that come with that. There's some overlap in what you're doing with them as well. And so we are looking to acquire uh, clients uh, in those two areas and then partner with firms that are doing the same. Um, but first, take care of the, the clients that we've made pro uh, made promises to already. Yeah, that's great. That's great. You're right. That, that's a huge transition. Folks that work at, for a corporate world for 20, 30, 40 years, they exit with a whole bunch of stock in one company. Now, what do I do? And, and it's great that Live Well Capital is able to uh, help them secure a financial future that is less risky and that and I love that what you just said that you can uh, deliver on all the promises that you make to these families, which is great. I, I love hearing that. Um, and I love that that's the focus of your future as well. that's that's fantastic. So so uh, one last question for you, Ben, what advice would you offer to an aspiring entrepreneur who maybe is just starting their journey or maybe facing some challenges in their business and they might feel like it's time to quit? Well, you know, it's it's interesting. I mean, I think there's there's a couple kinds of entrepreneurs. You have the very, very beginning where you are uh, trying to figure out whether this is a viable business or not. And then you have the back end where you're trying to remember why you started. Um, and, and you have people on, on both sides of things. But I think in the very, very beginning, I think clarity on where you're going, what the business is going to do, clarity on vision. Uh, we break when we're doing goal setting exercises for clients and live well. We say there's five kinds of capital. You've probably heard this before. There's spiritual capital. You have relational capital. You have physical capital. You have intellectual capital and you have financial capital. And I think getting clear about what your goals and what your vision is for your life in each of those areas um, and remembering why you started the business. Now, there is some point in time where people may be running out of money where they do have to make they do have to understand whether there's a viable business or not but i think remembering the vision is a, is a really really good place to start uh, that's great so keeping that maybe forefront like why did i do this why am i starting this right and i love that advice that's good because yeah things are things are going to be hard right we, you talked about that in the very beginning that um you know when you talk about the misconceptions is that i'm starting a business because it's going to be easier i'm watching this guy I've been doing it 20 years and he's killing it that's what I want to do. And then they don't realize how hard it was the first two, four, five, six, seven years of doing business. So Absolutely. hanging on to that vision is great. So thanks for sharing that, Ben. Yeah. Well, well, thank you so much for your time today, Ben. We appreciate you joining our podcast. It was great meeting you and learning more about your entrepreneurial journey. To everyone watching, uh, we look forward to seeing you in our next episode. And thanks again, Ben. Yeah, thanks for having me. I appreciate it.